Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. ...with four great locations. Tarmor, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. This is Saturdays in the Gong, live to you from the wet and wild Wollongong Golf Club. I'm Tim Barrow, the Illawarra Mercury Sports Editor. I'm here with Illawarra Hawks great Matt Campbell. Good morning to you. Oh, morning, morning everybody. Yes, it is a drizzly, doomy, gloomy looking morning here at the Wollongong Golf Club. No golfers on the course at all. Golf Pro checking to see whether there's going to be any play. So it's not a great start to the day no, here. No, it's certainly not, mate. It was a bit of a wild uh, drive in from Shell Harbour this morning. There's mm. plenty of rain around. It just won't go away. The NRL, we uh, well had three big games Phenomenal. last night uh, and Thursday night. Sorry, The Storm kicked it off with a 15-14 win over the Rabbitohs. That was in Craig Bellamy's 500th NRL game as coach and the phenomenal record of 13 prelim finals or better yeah. in 16 seasons That's, in charge. It's an unbelievable stat. So he's just, just find a way to win, um, even when the when the odds are stacked against him. I actually thought the Rabbitohs were going to roll over him early in that game, but um, geez, they, they were... They were methodical, uh, typical Melbourne Storm. Yeah, and we just we talk about how clubs need to rebuild sometimes mm. and how they change their roster over it. It doesn't matter what Melbourne Storm do; they're just consistently up there. Yeah, it? and it's got to go. It's got to come down to the coach. So, 500 games for him, fantastic win. Um, yeah, they're, they're looking as strong as ever, and they'll be there in finals. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the Roosters 26 defeated Manly 12. Manly in a bit of early trouble there, man. They're 0 and 2 and not looking particularly convincing. That was extreme disappointing for me. I thought obviously Penrith last week were outstanding against them and I, I gave them a bit of a free swing for that one but um, I thought they'd bounce back and be competitive in this game but ultimately they were overrun by a, a what looked to be a better team in every position so yeah and, and the, the draw doesn't look any easier for the Seagulls so yeah I reckon they're in trouble. Absolutely. I actually tipped them for the comp, so I think I've put the, the mock mm. on them. I thought this might be Trebojevic's uh, real Jared Hayne year, where yeah. he just, just dominates the competition. But they've uh, struggled to fire a shot so far. And the big one last night, too, the Panthers, 20. The Dragons, gee, they went horribly close, 20 to 16. Yeah, look, I, you know, encouraging signs if you're Dragons fans, which, which I am. Um, yeah, I thought they were outstanding. I thought they, they their ability to be able to be in the game, even though they had two sin bins and, you know, those points piled on in that space and didn't give up. And, yeah, this really encouraging signs as a fan of the Dragons. So, um, but, yeah, obviously Penrith just keep rolling. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the interesting part there, Jaden Sewell was obviously sin bin for that shot with o O'Sullivan there. And that try came mm. through where he that channel where he would have been defending a controversial one. I mean, obviously you've got to protect the ball carrier and/or the kicker. That's the the rules and the interpretation at the moment. It was a little bit late, but it wasn't high and it wasn't too late. 
Yeah, look, I, I think when, when you're attacking the line like that, you've got to expect to get hit. Like, you know, if, you, if you're kicking the ball, um, um, you've normally got space, the guys are running hard at you. Or if you're throwing the ball early uh, in the bit, but if you're going to uh, come up to the line, you've got to expect to get tackled. So, yeah, I thought um, very harsh. I think it was a wrong decision, and I think it'll be reviewed pretty hard. Yeah, and, I mean, now you, you've got the Dragons had... 12 men for 20 mm. minutes of the game because Zach Lomax was also off there in that second half. So, you know, if you're looking at a glass half full, I think the Dragons would be very encouraged just by the way they finished off the game as well, that, that it wasn't uh, put away. They, they really kept going to the end. Yeah, look, I think it was unfair. Um, unfair from the fan point of view to, to judge either side on it because obviously if you're, if you're a Penrith player and you look at the Dragons are depleted and you just piled on 10 points when they've only got, you know, they've got a man down, I think you got to, you naturally would relax a little bit. So you'd be like, right, okay, we, you know, we've established a good lead, we've, we've done this. And then the second sin bin, you'd be like, oh man, this is, you know, we're good. You know, this is exactly where you want to be as a team. So they could have relaxed. The Dragons played hard to keep back into it. But ultimately, uh, we won't know exactly what would have happened because there was a decision made which was, I believe, the wrong decision and impacted the, the result of the game. Yeah, it's hard enough to beat anyone with 12 men, let alone uh, the, the Panthers, the mm. Premiers, when you've got 20 minutes of it. Uh, we'll be talking more rugby league in the second hour. We've got Tasha Gale coming up, the former Australian mm. women's rugby league captain. She's a Fox Sports caller. Um, I love her insights into the women's game. The Dragons play the Knights. They're up in Newcastle uh, tomorrow. So that's another big clash after the Dragons just fell short mm. against the Broncos. We'll also be talking NRL with Matt Russell, the captain of Saturdays in the Gong. He's uh, calling some of the NRL W. So we'll be talking to him after 10 o'clock. Now we're going to switch to the football. So last night the Wollongong Wolves took on Sydney FC, a thrilling two-all draw. Nick Littler pinching a point at the end. You were at Wynn Stadium to watch the game. Yeah, I was there last night and it was a great atmosphere. Um, um, you know, the Wolves had put on, it was free to attend for anybody. So great way to start their season as the first home game. And um, look, ultimately coming up against the Sydney FC um, youth team, but ex- we're expected to win. But they had five players drop down from the A-League to fill in for that team. So outstanding level of football, probably as good as I've seen. The, the, the field was amazing. We didn't cop any rain last night in Wollongong. Um, good-sized crowd. I, I just thought it was a great spectacle, and both teams played extremely well. So the Wolves got to hold their head up high. I thought they you know, two, they were 2-0 down at halftime, so really up against it in front of a decent home crowd. So for them to fight back and, and steal that point at the end was... Uh, was just a, a good building from them from for the season point of view. And, you know, the FC young guns that were playing, oh, man, they, they looked uh, talented too. But the Wolves held up against it. So all in all, great football game. Yeah, I think that shows the mark of a good team where if you can't win, you can get something out of the game. And that can really sort of keep that momentum building. The, the Wolves are now four points. They've had a win and a loss as well as last night's draw. Sydney FC are obviously unbeaten and it shows the strength of their development pathways that... One, they can drop down some A-League players and mm. shows the standard of the NBL and it's only improving, yeah. uh, but also their, their pathways and the strength of, uh, of Sydney FC in the competition, it shows that they look like they'll be a, a finals force. Yeah, and, it, and I think it's good for everybody to see that, right? So you, you, you want the league, all uh, everyone around the league, to be able to get up and get to that level. So uh, I think by having some of the A-League guys drop in and play, I think that encourages the guys that are training every day or you know every second day probably for their team to come up 
against that. You want to be able to showcase your own skill against the best. And, you know, I think it's outstanding for the competition to have the Sydney FC boys actually dropping down and playing um, and their youth team pushing so hard to try and find positions for themselves in the A-League. Heaps more sport coming up this morning. NRL in the second hour and NRLW. We're going to be talking uh, women's uh, National Basketball League and NBL coming up shortly. But right now, we're going to talk to one of the Saturdays in the Gong family, Christian Zeidler from One Agency, Zeidler Waller, a revelation in Wollongong real estate, empowering investors, families, couples and individuals. Good morning to you, Christian. Good morning, Matt. How are you? Ah, good, mate. How are you? Lovely yeah, uh, well, wet thanks. morning. Oh, it's good to see the rain back. We certainly need it. <laughs> the grass hadn't grown enough at your place, mate. Jeez, uh, oh, I tell you what, yeah. it has been phenomenal, hasn't it? So how does that impact you from your open houses today? Is that going to give you any troubles or are you still seeing that demand, you know, really coming through the door? The demand is still there. So there's still this flow, like the property's come on, they sell, I mean, you could sell every property the first day if you wanted to, uh, but we'd like to give people an opportunity to get through them. We hate hearing mm. stories of people saying, oh, I would have paid more than that, but they sold it. Huh. So we, we tend to give them two to three weeks. But in that time, the numbers through opens are still really strong, even in the rain. I mean, the quality goes up, the numbers go down. So the lookers, the next-door neighbours, they won't come through, but the serious buyers are still out there in force. And yeah. I wow. just don't. Everyone asks me, how much longer is this going to go on? I don't know. We've seen some suburbs in Wollongong. We've handled sales. There was one in Avon Parade in Mount Kimbler. They bought this house in 2018 for 870000 We sold it at auction for one point three four five. Wow. So there's a $500,000 increase when they bought it for eight eighty. You do the math. Mm. It's like a 65% increase in less than three years that's good going isn't it it's hard to hard to hard hard to be able to predict all those bits and pieces but hard to fathom that you could make that kind of money on a turnaround in three years three to four years time especially when the market was hot at that time right everyone would have been saying that price would have been you know right at the top of the market too much yeah exactly yeah yeah phenomenal Look, look we've we've had this boom with covid but even setting that aside, Illawarra properties on average increase by 65% every 10 years. So that's 6.5% per annum. You add that to your yield, which is your rental yield. I'm reading this morning, we've been uh, circled in one of the Sydney papers this morning, Wollongong units, nearly 4% yield. Um, so it's a go-to and you know that's just what we need, more people coming down. Yeah. Uh, so if you add your 4% yield with your 6.5% capital growth, there's 10.5% per year, and if you paid a million dollars for the property, it's $100,000 a year you're going to make on that property on average mm. over a 10-year period. Like, it's a great way of making money, and, you, and your trick is not to hold one property. Hold three, four, or five, and that's serious, serious, uh, you know, growth in your wealth. And you talked about the auctions there before. I, I guess um, you've got decisions to make when you're selling properties around uh, going with auctions around uh, other arrangements and, and how they're, they're sold. What's your advice there? It's all about the numbers. We had one actually two weeks ago in Mangadon. We had an offer in writing. We were thinking this thing was worth one two to one two five. We get an offer in writing. A, a guy dropped a contract in the office at 1.3. There's a good friend of mine selling. He said to me, Z... What do I do? I take the money and run. And I said, look, uh, your problem is 
you've got five pre-registered bidders, and they're all talking numbers just under that one three. So I think it goes game day. You should do one three or better. Anyway, a little bit of a gamble, but it's an educated guess. It goes one three six on game day. Right. So an extra sixty thousand above what he had in his hot hand two days before the auction. So every single time we play these things on their own merit, uh, we don't just say, right, you've got auction day and that's it, we're going to do it. Sometimes we sell prior to, sometimes we sell during the auction. Most of the time we do. 90% of them sell during auction for us in the last two years. Uh, but outside of that, if it means going early is the best result, we'll do that too. Yeah, it's a good way of making wealth. And as we said, as you said earlier, they've still got the push coming down from Sydney. So that for people that are interested and, uh, and are thinking about it, it's a good opportunity, especially when that market has sort of, from Sydney point of view, we're still, we would be round about 80% of what the um, medium house price of Sydney is. And is that where, you know, where still will be classed as a good investment? What is that sort of ratio compared to the Sydney medium house um, oh, that we try and what look suburbs. at? Depending on what suburbs, uh, Wollongong's median is 1.1. Uh, Bullies, I was reading, is 1.6. And the further north you go, it's, it's like this cascading ponds. It's the big pond in Sydney uh, yeah. to buy a house anywhere near the beach. You're looking at five, six million. So they look at our northern suburbs and go, oh, three million walking to the beach at Thrill, that's cheap. Mm. Uh, but then people get priced out of that market because these Sydney people coming down flowing into it. So those buyers that were looking in uh, Bulleye, they're coming down to Winoona, East Coromel. And then that pond fills up as far as affordability goes. And then further south they go. And to the point where you're seeing million-dollar sales in DAPTO, which is, mm. you know, if you, you talk to anyone who's lived in DAPTO all their life, like a couple of my good friends, it's unbelievable. But it's yeah. just that cascading pond of affordability just, you know, it's, uh, stretching further and further down the coast. Christian, it's always a pleasure, mate. I know you're a very busy man. I'm hoping you uh, stay dry out there today, mate. Thank you for uh, chatting with us again, and we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you next week. Thanks so much, gents. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks, E. That was Christian Zeidler, One Agency Zeidler Waller, a revelation in Wollongong real estate, empowering investors, families, couples and individuals. We're going to head to a break. When we come back, WNBL and NBL chat with Sydney Uni Flames, Keely Froling. Charlie's Liquor Bar. Everyday low prices with four great locations. Tarmor, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Good morning and welcome back to Saturdays in the Gong. We're here live from the Wollongong Golf Club. Plenty of rain about. It's very wet. A few lakes out there, Matty. Yeah, it's the, not a Lynx course anymore. It's a lakes course. It doesn't look pleasant. Absolutely. Well, it's a great pleasure this morning to have Sydney Uni Flames star Keely Froling on board. Good morning to you, Keely. Morning, guys. Thanks for coming on board. Um, obviously, a, a long season with the, uh, the WNBL, and you've got your, uh, your last game coming up against Bendigo. Yeah, it's been a long kind of disrupted season, but um, last game tomorrow and then kind of reevaluate everything for next year. How does it sit when uh, Coach Shane Heal, you know, obviously has seen your form this year and says, what does Keely Froling have to do to prove she's an Opal? Yeah, I mean, it's 
awesome playing for Shane and I uh, love that he has my back like that and you know obviously the Opal to me is a massive goal and um, hopefully I get there sooner rather than later but it's great to have his support and I think that's why so many people love playing for him is because he goes into that for you with things like that. Yeah, sure. Um, Keely, yeah, it's great. You've had a great season. It's been fantastic to watch from the sidelines and it has been a disrupted year, but the, the, the level of the uh, WNBL seems to be continuing to grow. Um, and have you been, like, have you seen that from your end? I see there's a lot of girls coming back from the NCAA over there and it seems to be driving the level. Is that how you see it? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, we've always had a really great league and it just gets better and better each year and um, we're one of the top leagues in the world. So I think if you look at the imports that come out, the quality of imports that come out, the top WNBA players and then our Australian talent is just so great at the moment as well. So um, it's been like across the board, been a really strong year and um, yeah, great to see. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's the, the one of the keys that you said is the Australian talent that's pushing its way through. And I think that's on the back of how much success the Opals program has had over the years. And, um, yeah, it's just I think that's what drives the league. And I think if we can continue to develop those juniors all the way through, all the way through all the different state levels and bits and pieces, I think you'll continue to see the Opals being successful at that level. And, you know, everybody strives to play for Australia. So I'm glad to see that you want to be there and you're, and you're doing everything possible to get to that level yeah absolutely you know you look at our team this year we've been really disrupted with injuries and people leaving and COVID and that sort of thing and our young development players have stepped up and been awesome you know Katie Kyra um, 18 years old and starting in the WNBL so the talent's definitely there for um, and you know we're hopefully we see them being stars of the future and we know the uh, the flames are aligned up there with the the Sydney Kings with the uh, the men's and women's team, but obviously you've got yeah. uh, Sam and Harry playing for the Illawarra Hawks. Gee, I would have loved to have seen some backyard basketball mm. games in the Rolling household. Absolutely. Um, how, how do you go up there with the banter when you've got uh, y- your brothers playing with the, the arch enemy? <laughs> yeah, it is funny. Um, I was asked at the start of the year who I, who I barrack for, and mm-hmm. uh, it's a hard one, but you have to choose blood all the time. So I've said, you know, the Hawks and Bear, and then the Kings are close behind. <laughs> but it's, it's I love great it. to have them so close. Yeah, and um, I love watching the boys play for the same team as well. It's the first year that they've been on the same team together, so it's an easy choice for me. Yeah, it's fantastic to see them both out there, and um, yeah, like they both they both got obviously different skill sets, but they seem to be able to gel well together, and then, and they're actually playing good court time together. And uh, it's been an interesting year. Obviously, teams are trying to change it up. There's some small ball being played from different bits and pieces. So to see them both still being able to play at that level, especially Sam, the way he's come along under the Hawks. Um, um, banner, I guess, from that point of view, I, we always thought that he was going to be at that level, but now to have Harry in here and, and bring in his skill set, it's uh, is phenomenal. And um, yeah, that backyard stuff must have been phenomenal, especially with the boys. I know Shane and I played against him, so I can imagine the elbows were very high, um, and that court would have been quite uh, brutal back in the day. Yeah, definitely brutal backyard battles. Mm, um, yeah. We used to play on the driveway like the pebble stones and no shoes, they'd be, you know, tiptoes <laughs> and that sort of thing. And then even during COVID a few years ago, um, some one-on-one battles, but <laughs> there was bloody nice. lips and all sorts of things. So, 
I guess the other thing about the Opals too and the opportunity that you might might get to play for Australia, I mean, Paris isn't uh, too far away. We've seen the breakthrough success with the Boomers uh, winning that, that medal, which has been long awaited and very emotional when they won that. But, you know, the Opals have never sort of been far away from the, the uh, medal hunt yourself, which might be a, a bit of an incentive for you in the next couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think... Um the Opals have had such great success for so long, and last uh, last Olympics we were not quite there, but mm. that's definitely a goal where you know you always want to be in that medal race. And um, Paris is only two years away, which is coming pretty quick, and so that would be a massive goal for me. Yeah, and you're right. Like we kind of just used to, and we assumed the Opals were going to be like in the medals because they've been so successful for so long. To to see that at their last Olympics, to sort of stumble, there was a lot of off-court um, controversy, I guess, that probably led to the Opals not doing so well. I think, you know, if they, if they can get it right from the from the from the get-go and get everybody buying in from the from the program point of view, it's it's clear that when you watch the the WNBL, you can see that we've got the talent here in Australia. It'd be great to see the Opals get back to that level again. And it's, um, you know, I think the building from the WNBL is what will give that consistency at that level again. And um, yeah, let's hope, fingers crossed, you can get there. And the yeah, Sydney Uni, <laughs> the Sydney Uni Flames obviously playing Bendigo tomorrow in your last game at, at two o'clock. Um, the girls are obviously pretty keen to, uh, I guess, finish off at a really high note. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've had a couple of really good wins the last few games, so it'd be nice to get some um, reward for all our hard work and to finish off um, with a win tomorrow would just top it off, I think. Keely, look, we really appreciate your time. Go well tomorrow. We can't wait to see you in Opal's colours as well. Mm. And thanks for coming on board. Thanks, guys. And we are doing clinics down there um, in the next couple of weeks. So look at that and the Sydney Flames will be down there hopefully. Um, oh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah, outstanding. Yeah, my, both my girls play, so I'll be sending them along to that for sure. Thanks for that, Keely. Absolutely. Yeah, awesome. Have a look at the social media, though, all the details. <laughs> so go and check out the Sydney Uni Flames. We will, you might have the kids at some uh, coaching clinics coming up very shortly. Mm. Thanks again, Keely. We appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Keely. Maddie, I guess with the WNBL, sometimes it's a little bit out of sight, out of mind here in, in Wollongong. I mean, we have such a strong basketball program in general, but mm. I, it's just so focused on the men's, obviously, mm. with the Hawks. But the the WNBL, you know, it's a, it's a great product. Oh, totally. It is. And, and it is a bit of a pathway opportunity from the, the girls here. We've always been really strong in the Illawarra with girls basketball. So I think the fact that they've got the Flames, which are just up the road, and Paul Smith obviously owns the Kings and the Flames, so, um, and, you know, Illawarra guy, um, so there's an opportunity there. But the Canberra Capitals also um, down the road were very interested and in always been able to come up and do bits and pieces in our area. So, yeah, it, it's... It, the NBL one from that point of view will give some more opportunities for locals to be able to play at that level and then hopefully we see some more girls come out of our region and play at that, that top level. Absolutely and obviously you said you've got your, your girls involved in the, the representative programs here so I mean you know you're right there at the coalface of, of those development programs. Yeah, and it's, it is outstanding to see that level coming through, and, and the participation rates have gone through the roof. So, yeah, Illawarra basketball at the moment, especially in the girls' section, is going really well. We're going to head off to the news now. We'll be back shortly. We're going to be talking football with one of the Socceroos legends. Charlie's Liquor Bar. Everyday low prices with four great locations. Tarmor, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track.
We're back here at Saturdays in the Gong, live from the Wollongong Golf Club, with thanks to Charlie's Liquor Barn, everyday low prices, with four great locations, Tarmore, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. It's Tim Barrow, the Illawarra Mercury Sports Editor. I'm here with Hawks great Matty Campbell. It's wet and wild out there on the golf course. But we're now going to chat to a legend of the Socceroos. Good morning to Scott Chipperfield. Young guys. Hello, mate. It's uh, great to have you on board. It's been a big week for the Chipperfield family. Obviously, uh, you know, you've made a great career at, at Basel, and uh, to see your son Liam score his first goal over there, it must have been an amazing moment for you. Yeah, it was. It was like uh, it was Monday morning our time, Sunday there, so it was great to wake up. I had about 100 messages saying that Liam scored, so yeah, very proud of him. He's, he's worked hard throughout his career, and like, I know how much it, it meant to him to score that goal, especially at home in front of the hardcore fans. Yeah, for those who haven't seen it, they attacked down the left and sort of crossed it in. It, it wasn't cleared, and then he was just right there at the back post to to nail the goal. So it was fantastic to see. And um, we were talking during the week. He, he's also done it in front of the uh, the fanatical home crowd at the um, the home end. Yeah, it was. They scored the Mutton's cover. I, I told you that before, but he didn't know how to spell it. But um, yeah, it's like the hardcore fans. So every, every ground has their own hardcore fans. So. He grew up, he was sitting in there when I was playing, so for him to score in front of them, I think that meant a lot more to him than scoring away from home. I was going to leave you to pronounce that there, Chippers. I, I didn't want to uh, charge in and uh, with a, an awful uh, English uh, translation of it. Um, now, we've seen him score a goal, but has he pulled off at any level a goal like this? We're going to throw you back to 2005. That's another set piece for the Socceroos. Four weights on the edge of the penalty area, including Craig Moore and Tony Popovich. Stojowski's there, Tony Vidmar's there. Went over the top of Vidmar, here's Chipperfield. Oh, what a goal! What a goal by Scott Chipperfield! That is an absolute peach at Australia, a level with 20 minutes to go in this game. Just from 20, uh, 20 yards, or has it got a bit further out in the years since? I think it's a bit further than 20. I think it's about 35, I think. <laughs> no, but that, that, that was probably the best goal I ever scored, to be honest. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just happened to be with the national team, which was something special in, in, against South Africa in, um, I think it was in Dubai or Durban. In Durban. Oh. Yeah. Hey, Chippers, it's Matty Campbell, mate. Um, unbelievable hey, to up. hear that stuff, mate. It's, uh, yeah, that gives you sort of tingles when you hear kind of bits and pieces like that. But how proud are you, mate? To, to obviously, you know, I've got some daughters coming through that are playing a bit of basketball at this stage. They're only 14 and 11. But, you know, I get the excitement what I see on their face when they're, when they're doing a sport that they love and they're, doing, they're starting to do okay at it. From your point of view, to get into that level and to see a score like that, man, you must be so proud. Yeah, very proud. Obviously, as you say, you're proud of your, your kids no matter what. But to, mm. for my son, I know I know how much he's like. He grew up watching me play. Like he was young when when I was still playing, and I know how much it meant to him. All, all his focus was from a young age was to play for Basel, and for him to play for Basel and to score a goal in a big game mm. was something special. Yeah, yeah I, I, totally. I, I, I just wish I was there. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So how did you manage like that? I mean, this is a question all the fathers would be sitting out there listening would, would go, how do you manage that? 
you know, your expectations and, and try not to push too hard to see, you know, your son to be able to get to that level compared to supporting and allowing him to find his own feet. How did you find that process? Yeah, I've sort of been through both angles. Like, I've, I've, I've started a, a kid's football school also, but from my mm. point of view, like with Liam, I never really pushed him. Was, he was he was with the Basel team from a young age, so I just said, mm. look, he's your coach, listen to him. I didn't want to say, you do this, when his coach is telling him something else. So I just let him find his own way. Obviously, we went down the park and had a kick around, and I'll show him a couple of things and that, but I never sort of told him how to play. That's, a, that's mm. his coach's job at the time. So I, I see a lot of parents these days trying to educate their kids how to play, but they don't really know themselves. <laughs> So they tell the kids one thing, and, and the coaches tell them a different thing, which is which is one of the biggest problems I, I find these days. And Scott, you've launched your own uh, coaching career along the way. You're now with uh, Tarawana in the Illawarra Premier League, which uh, kicked off your season on the synthetic with a four-year, a four-one win over South Coast United. <laughs> but it must be difficult at the moment, just given the amount of rain that we've had, just to try and implement your your training programs and your your structures and and what you want to do, given the limited game time and training time you would have had. Yeah, it's been difficult the last few weeks. Like we, as you said, we started with a four-one win, but then we had two washouts so it's hard to keep that momentum and we've got players we've got a big squad and it's hard to keep them motivated so we've been doing gym work we've been training on a on a tennis course doing football tennis so it hasn't been easy but um we, we get got a game tomorrow against um coniston which looks like it'll be it'll go ahead so looking forward to that and hopefully we can get a result tomorrow That'll be interesting too, Scott. I mean, uh, Tarawana seem like they're the type of squad that should be in the finals mix. And uh, obviously, Coniston have uh, you know, worked really hard with their squad as well. So it should be a fairly highly high-quality clash. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, Coniston's uh, recruited pretty well. They, they've signed one of our players. <laughs> so there'll be a bit of a bit of, bit, bit of niggle there. So, um, yeah, it'll be a good test for us anyway because it's hard for me because I don't know much about the Premier League. So it'll be good for me tomorrow to see where we at actually are at so yeah, if we get a good result tomorrow then I think we'll go as you said into the playoffs but if we don't get a good result tomorrow then obviously we have to, <laughs> have, to have to work it a little bit harder now, mate, you're a man of many talents. Um, obviously, not only on the football field where you had a storied career, but you're also uh, heavily involved with lawn bowls now. Yeah, oh, my body's my body's been been hurt a lot over, me, over the football career, so that's pretty much <laughs> that's pretty much my speed at the moment. So yeah, I um I got sort of roped into taking over the presidency of Premier Bowling Club, which I'm enjoying. I took over in um, December. So I've been playing bowls now for a few years. So yeah, I enjoy it. It's a good social thing. Have a couple of beers, a couple of bowls. So yeah, I enjoy it. Is it a good way to tick over that competitive spirit? I obviously, you know, yeah. seeing you play with the Wolves here when you were when you, when you were coming through, and you know that competitive edge that you've always got. And I know as an athlete, you you know you don't want to lose that uh, edge when you sort of finish, and you know to try and keep the mind ticking over. Is that is that the reason why you've got into the bowls? Yeah, yeah, pretty much, Matt. Uh, as you know, mm. you, you never lose that competitive instinct. So mm. it doesn't matter if it's a social or a friendly game, you still want to win. So. And that's, that's probably the one game at the moment I can play. I, I can't play darts. <laughs> so, <laughs> bowls, bowls is my, um, my game at the moment, yeah. But I enjoy it. It's, like I said, it's yeah, a social thing. It's pick out and, and meet people and, yeah. Oh, it's Scott, very good. Great to, great to have you on board this morning. 
congratulations again. Obviously, it's great to see uh, the next generation of Chipperfield on the field, scoring goals, and also for you know a club that you have a deep, deep affection with over there at Basel. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you. That's, Thanks, that's Scott Chipperfield, the Socceroos great. It was great to have him on board. We're going to head off to a break. After the break, we're going to talk to Illawarra Academy of Sport Chief Executive John Armstrong. Charlie's Liquor Bar. Everyday low prices with four great locations. Tarmore, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. This is Saturdays in the Gong. I'm Tim Barrow, the Illawarra Mercury Sports Editor. I'm here with the Illawarra Hawks great Matt Campbell. The rain's still hanging around at Wollongong Golf Club. There's not a lot of golf. Well, there's no golf going on. Mm-hmm. Matty, we always talk about the Illawarra and how it's such a great breeding ground of sports people. We've had Olympians, we have football stars, surfers. We're just in so many different sports. We've produced great players, and uh, one of the great breeding grounds of, is the Illawarra Academy of Sport. And that's why I wanted to ta- chat to mm. their chief executive, John Armstrong, who joins us on the line now. Yeah, good day, Tim. Good day, Matt. How are you? Hey, John. Good morning, John. We're just talking about the, the breeding ground and the success stories that we've seen come through from Olympians to footballers, a whole range of sports. And obviously the Academy of Sports is, is one of the key drivers of that. Well, look, we'd like to think so. We certainly believe that we do our bit to try to, what's the word, prepare the kids as they develop. Pretty formative years, that 12 to 18 year age group, age bracket. We try to put stuff in place that just helps them be better people, better athletes. Um, I reckon sport is often about opportunity, you know, so you, you, the time, you've got to put stuff in front of them that gives them the chance. So, you know, we've been, done things like, um, and work really closely with, for instance, our council partners. We've, we've got in every council area, we've got free access to strength and conditioning. Um, we provide supervised strength and conditioning. All of a sudden, the Illawarra, um, the kids within the Illawarra region are just that much better off than those in some of the other regions. Yeah, so I agree it's with that you. sort of stuff that, you know, that just helps bring them along and it's a it's a bit of a jigsaw this whole thing athlete development but <laughs> but you've just got to try to totally. put all the pieces in place and and see what you can do yeah, yeah. john i think you're 100 percent right with um, the opportunities is probably the key thing and, and there's so many distractions for these young kids these days and i think um you know different era from when i was coming through when you know your focus was on whatever sport you were playing because you only had sort of three channels to choose from on a tv set where you know look at nowadays you've got netflix you've got all the bits and pieces on the tv plus you add in their devices so i think you know any opportunity we can give the kids that are coming through especially that are showing interest in a sport and obviously have some natural talent any opportunity we can give to them to to stay a little bit more focused in their sport and just give them that little bit of a drive that turns the, you know, just clicks that thing in the head that says, right, between doing it, you know, sort of um, as a sort of a hobby more or clicks into their mm-hmm. head to say, right, I can, you know, make something out of this and this is what I want to do. I want to be the best I can be in this sport and uh, see where it goes. So, I, yeah, I think um, you know, I think what you're doing is outstanding and, and it's good because some of the sports that you would see um, are some of the sports that don't get a lot of funding at the higher levels 
um, so and, mm. and drives through. So is that, you know, it, it's it's sort of non-discriminatory what you do and what are some of the sports that maybe some of the listeners, listeners wouldn't know about that you're doing well in? Yeah, Matt, look, you're on the money on a, on a, on a few things and I think there's a couple of items to explore there but the um, without question, the Academy of Sport is for all athletes. Now, this year, as it happens, we have a, we have a, we have about twelve different squads. We have an athlete with disability squad, a you know a cycling squad. We've got cycling BMX, um, mountain bike and road this year. Um, we've got you know we've got a basketball squad, of course. We've got netball squads, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we've got a volleyball squad. You know we've got a, got a number of um, triathlons to it. So we've got these different squads where we provide the technical support. But the squad, the mod that is. Um, really ballooned this year because we couldn't reject the applications that were there uh, is the Lone Star Squad. Now, Blue Scope Steel, they provide the support for that. We've got 70 kids this year in the Lone Star Squad. We had 40 last year and that was a record then. We've got uh, a massive number of kids. Now, they come from a whole host of different sports. They come from, you know, from equestrian, from... Um, from wrestling, from uh, from athletics and, and swimming and other squads that we don't have as well. But the whole idea is that we provide that opportunity for those athletes to show that they're committed enough and perform well enough within the Illawarra region. So so you're dead right. We provide a whole host of, of opportunity mm. for each and every sport, certainly through the Lone Star program, and that's um, and that becomes a little bit tricky. So that's why we do things like um, you know provide sports psychology support. Each of the Lone Star athletes, as against the others, can access access the sports psychologist for three sessions for a, a reduced amount. For instance, um, we can we provide nutrition education and and, and opportunity. We you know we bring them into the kitchen and show them how to cook you know, for those that, <laughs> those that want that. So it's, uh, it's, and it's that amazing sort that, of stuff. Yeah, it's that, amazing that, that, that these athletes that, don't, don't slip through the cracks as far as the development that Lone Star program gives them that opportunity. Yeah, look, I, I, I think so. It just provides that little bit of a boost. And that actually was dead right. There's, you never really know when an athlete or a young, young developing person is going to click when they're going to go for them it's now and it now might be 14 it might be 16 and it might even be a bit later and I, and I distinctly remember the story from uh, brendan sexton one of our former triathlon coaches he said oh no i was just plodding along with i was just you know mucking around with my triathlon for a bit you know and then i got a good coach he turned me on and all of a sudden I've gone, hey, I'm into this and I want to do the best I can with it. And he ended up being an Olympian, one of the one of Australia's best. But it it was a it was a typical story of how young people develop at different times. So you just gotta keep throwing stuff at them. And we'll talk about opportunity, John, which you mentioned before. There's a couple of examples that I wanted to raise with you. Um, You've got the Swans AFLW player, Ruby Sergeant Wilson, coming through. She's the first one signed through their academy. And also Kieran Woolley, who came through to be an Olympian uh, in the debut of skateboard at the Olympics. Yeah, pretty exciting on both of those camps. I mean, Ruby Sergeant Wilson is a classic because... 
she actually joined the academy when she was in the netball program. In fact, I think in 2018, she won the Netballer of the Year Award from memory. So that was... And then she... The next year, she transitioned into an AFL women's squad. And that was probably the second year, I think, that we might have ran an AFL women's squad. You've got to remember that four years ago, there wasn't even anything for AFL women's. So there was hardly yep. competition. Um, yeah. We worked with AFL at the time to develop a women's squad to develop them. And then, bang, four years later, you know, I predicted this. I, I, I wrap AFL for the smarts that they had in setting up academy programs throughout because in three to four years' time, I swore that you would have high-quality athletes and Ruby Sergeant Wilson is exactly that, high-quality athlete, first signing into the women's AFL um, Swans uh, um, program, and that's fantastic. Um, it's a you're phenomenal... Talking about, um, you're talking about... Yeah, sorry? Oh, no, John, I was just going to say, it's, it's just a phenomenal example of the th- things that you guys do at the Illawarra Academy of Sport. John, look, I really appreciate your time. It's fantastic to see the development of these athletes and the success that they go on to have, and you guys should take a huge amount of ownership for that success. We're going to head, head off to a break, and uh, we'll be back shortly at Saturdays in the Gong with Matt Campbell and Tim Barrow. Charlie's Liquor Bar. Everyday low prices with four great locations. Tarmor, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Welcome back to Saturdays in the Gong. I'm Tim Barrow, the Illawarra Mercury Sports Editor. I'm here with Matt Campbell. We're going to kick off some rugby league chat. We saw in the NRL, Matt, the Dragons got horribly close to Penrith mm. last night, 20-16. to 16. They, so they came close. late. Yeah, they did come late. And that, look, you know, in so exciting times because they, they look like they're a team that can compete against those kind of teams. And that's what the fans want to see. And also in the NRLW, we saw last week St George Illawarra. Gee, they ran the Brisbane Broncos, who are also the the reigning premiers. They've won all three NRLW titles. It was a a close run thing. They had a couple of chances there, the Dragons, to hit back and get in front. But it shows they're going to be a real grand final force as well in this competition. Yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, you don't underestimate what they can do. And they've got some good young players coming through. And I I think they're super talented. And look, they'll they'll be thereabouts as well. And this was a big moment where we showed the NRL, where we showed what the Dragons are capable of the NRL in the NRL competition this year. Oh, great beautiful ball. ball away. And now up over the halfway line. What a run. Gets around Matic. And away she goes. Saley Ben runs around. Oh, I thought might have ran around a bit further to improve the position. But what a great try from the Dragons. Game on. Oh, give her a break, Salty. That is a second rower. Out running a touch football speedster at fullback here. Yeah, that was an enormous moment, a fantastic long-range try from the Dragons. It's a pleasure this morning to have on board the former Australian captain. She's a Fox Sports commentator and one of the greats of uh, rugby league, and particularly women's rugby league in Australia. Good morning to you, Tasha Gale. Good morning, Tim and Matt. How are we? Oh, great. Great to have you on board, Tasha. Absolutely, Tasha. Now, we saw last week... The Broncos and the Dragons, they, they went at it. It was such a close-run contest. In the end, the experience and the class of Brisbane got them home, but St George Illawarra have certainly shown they're going to be a force. Oh, they sure are, and that, that's really the most points that the Broncos have ever had scored against them 
in the history of the NRLW. And so I think Jamie Soward and the, the St George Illawarra girls uh, certainly showed what they've got and fired that warning shot straight over the Broncos' head. And also, on top of that, they've also got a few players to come back, including Kezi Apps, who's obviously one of the marquee players of the competition. Yeah, the one and only Kezi Apps. Now, we saw mm. with the Roosters, Corb- Corbin Baxter was out. She's captain of the Roosters. Um, and she only just came back in round three. And just having your captain back really lifts you. And when you've got such an experienced captain um, as Kezi Apps, the effect it can have in the team is enormous, and the Dragons are already proving themselves to be such a force. But to have that remarkable captain and that leader in Keziaps back on the field with you, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I think often second rowers and centres, but second rowers can be a really good indicator of the impact and the punch that a team can have. And when you've got Shaley Bent, we just listened to that clip of how she cut them open and they scored that long-range try. You've got Shaley Bent on one side and Kezi Apps. It's, uh, it's some real weaponry in a team. Formidable. Like, Shaley's not really known for her speed, but um, Hayley Maddock, who's a touchy, is known for her speed. And for Shaley, look, there was a time there when I thought, you know, Shaley's looking to link up either with Emma at the back or, you know, uh, Jamie Fastcar Chapman. But then when she saw that wasn't on, she found another gear and outran herself um, and Hayley Maddock. It was just absolutely incredible to watch. And she's only young. There's a big future for Shaley. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's the exciting part about the whole the whole league at the moment. The, the talent level that's coming through has been phenomenal and it must be exciting from your point of view to be able to see that, that level of coming through. Not only participation rates are going through the roof at a junior level, but to see the talent that's now coming into this elite level must be something exciting from your point of view. It is absolutely incredible. It, every year um, I go out, I, I watch the juniors and I just think, wow, they've taken it to another level. And we're just talking about the Dragons game. And as I was calling the game, I looked out there and I just said, wow, they've all come through the pathway system. In the Tarsgale Cup, I've watched Quincy Dodd, Keely Davis, Jamie Chapman, Tegan Berry. Like, and there they were, all out there on the field. And I'm thinking, this pathway system is really working. And when we talk about the NRL, you talk about the pathways. The other exciting element is the announcement this week of the expansion. We're going to eight teams in 2023, 10 the following year. The salary cap's going to 350000 and two Origin games as well. I mean, that's exciting for the women's game. Oh, it sure is. And there's been a lot of work in the background, and I'm really pleased to hear it coming to fruition. What they've done is they've laid down a plan, and we all know that, you know, significant change can't occur unless you have that roadmap roadmap going for you and the next couple of years are laid down um we're sticking with the six teams for the 2022 season at the end of the year but we're going to the salary cap um it's really exciting times for the girls and it's it's changed it's needed to come and i don't think it's happening too quickly which is really really important as far as expansion goes
We've had this conversation in the Mercury office a few times and I'm, I'm very much pro-expansion. I know it's a difficult process because sometimes you can bring teams in and it might dilute the standard a little bit and you do have a couple of teams struggle. We've seen that in the, the AFL women's competition. But I think the payoff is the development into new areas. You've got a team established there. You're getting pathways done and they're actually growing the pie so that you've got more teams involved but you've also got more investment. You've got more players coming through. You've got more girls playing and they're all coming up to make that standard higher and higher. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think it's it, the NRL are doing this really wisely. Um, other female sports have tried to go um, with too many teams too fast before they've got that depth of talent. I, I've always said that, you know, growth of the sport isn't about how wide, it's how deep. And that means your grassroots systems. That means about, you know keeping these players coming through with all the clubs. The, the Taj Gal Cup, when it first started in 2017, was called uh, the Taj Gal Nines. And now, this year, there's 12 teams, all affiliated with very strong clubs, and there's obviously 13 aside. So, yeah, we've got that growth coming through, and that, that will ensure the quality um, and the great product that is in NRLW. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. And, and that, that slow process of expansion from that point of view with that talent pool that you've already established, and but they're the people who drive the next generation from when that expansion happens. So if you get the girls that get the experience under their belt, playing with the, you know, the greats of the game, then they can move on and really push that expansion to that next level. And that also comes with professionalism and the salary cap increase obviously will help that and that's the way you see it. Yeah, most definitely. I think it's a huge, it's a huge game. Um, even little things like the, the health insurance being paid, right. it's not just being paid during that you know seven week system or your pre season. It's going to be paid throughout the whole year for all contracted mm. players, and that is just phenomenal. One of those little things that you know are really important to the girls. Now this weekend, it's a big game in terms of shaping the, the finals. Uh, today at 12.50, the Titans play the Broncos up there on the Gold Coast. Then tomorrow at McDonald Jones Stadium in Newcastle, we've got the doubleheader, the Eels and the Roosters before the Knights take on the Dragons. You must love being part of that broadcast team and having that role within um, Women's Rugby League. What are you looking forward to this weekend? Oh, every weekend has been such a cracker. The first couple, yeah, we did it in pretty tough conditions, especially round two uh, at, in the beloved gong there with the, the rain and the mm. uh, wind. <laughs> um, and then last weekend we saw, you know, the girls getting a bit of a dry track and you just see what their, their level of skill is truly at. And um, I'm really looking forward to this weekend. I'm not sure if it's going to be a dry track, but, you know, we saw the physicality come out right from round one. We saw that come out from in February with the All-Stars game. So the girls have just left. They're, they're fitter than they've ever been. Their technique. I mean, some of these new girls coming through, Philly uh, Maiano for the Dragons, that, that tackling technique, there's not much of her, but she takes on the big girls and re she hits them and they stay hit. Like, it's just an amazing uh, season that we're having and it's only going to go up and up. And as far as which game I'm looking forward to most, I, I can't split them. I, I've got to say, 
Oh, it's, it's too hard. I know it's important for the Eels Roosters. It actually, it's important for every team, you know. So, yeah, get out there and watch all three. Can you see a day where we can get to that professional level? Like I know Jamie Soward's spoken around the Dragons with you know the, the women's team. A lot of them work full or part time. Then they turn up to training this in the afternoon. Obviously, it's a very professional setup within the the four walls, and they've got all the training programs in place. But can you see that day where the competition sort of gets to that 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 level where you know the, the women's team are full time professional? Yeah, I, I certainly can see that day. Um, it's definitely not, you know, in the next, you know, one or two years, but it is certainly coming. And if these women can produce this sort of footing and juggling family work commitments, etc., imagine if they become full-time athletes. The, the skill level just, I mean, it, it's outstanding now, but, you know, for that to increase and for the worry to be taken off the girls... Um, would be incredible. So what I'd like to see is, you know, the Dragons go, right, Kezia, um, Princey Dodd, and there's probably another, you know, 10 names in the next year or so that will be household names. And just say, we've got you on contract for the full calendar year or a couple of years. Um, and that just takes the peace of mind and the girls can focus on doing what they love the most and that's playing footy. Yeah, and, and, in, and you, you hit a good point too. It's not only just on the on the track how professional they would become and the skill level they'd be able to get to, but it's also the development of the game. And um, you look at what AFL's been able to do really well, um, put on people full-time um, in an early stage and then being able to get them out into the community to showcase how nice they are as people in general to encourage that next generation to start the, to play that sport. And I think the key to, I think... The, the expansion will be participation rates uh, at a younger level and, and that only comes when you get out to the schools, you're doing all the bits and pieces and you have to have professional people doing it day in, day out for that to work. So I'm with you 100%. It needs to go professional in some aspects to be able to grow the sport. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And um, Andrew Abdow did announce that uh, that there will be the opportunity for clubs to employ full-time players. I think he put a cap on that. I'm not sure exactly how many. I think it was only a couple. But that will definitely grow. And, mm. you know, the more athletes that you have being employed full-time, the girls love going out to the schools. It's not a chore for them. They love doing their, you know, the charity work and the, and the promotional stuff and going out to the pathways. A lot of them are helping out with the, you know, coaching of the younger kids. So... You know, the girls are a really good product and, you know, I'm just so happy for them to see this expansion and this roadmap to professionalism finally being put into place. Natasha, before we let you go, we saw what an amazing game the Broncos and the Dragons uh, was last week. The Broncos are obviously the benchmark, but are you expecting the Dragons to make the grand final or do you still think the competition's open enough? Oh, the competition's still open, but there's no way... Uh, Jamie Soward and those those Dragons girls will not be in the grand final. I, I just they they showed what they had and you know last week and then they've got Kezia Apps coming back. Um, you know like that's her captain and mm. yeah they're definitely in the grand final. I think mm. the Broncos better worry about you know whether they're going to make it. 
Uh, Tasha, look, we really appreciate your time. I've really enjoyed your, mm. your calls there on Fox Sports. Obviously, Saturday's in the gong. Own, uh, own uh, Matt Russell has been doing a lot of the calls as well, so it's been fantastic, and it's just great to see the level, the standard of NRLW. Absolutely, and thanks for having me, me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thanks, Tasha. Thanks to Tasha Gale. It's great to uh, cover, see the standard of the NRLW and the coverage. We're going to go to a break and we'll be back with more. Charlie's Liquor Bar. Everyday low prices with four great locations. Tarmore, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. We're back here on Saturdays in the Gong, live from the Wollongong Golf Club. I'm Tim Barrow, the Illawarra Mercury Sports Editor. I'm here with Illawarra Hawks great Matt Campbell. It was great to have Keely Froling on the show um, before. She's a star of the game, and I can't wait to see her play for the Opals. Yeah, absolutely. She is a star of the game, and she's going outstanding, so fingers crossed she can make the Opals team. Now, she plays for the Sydney Uni Flames, who play their last game against Bendigo for the season, but they are making an impact down here in the Illawarra. Uh, in the coming week. So Saturday the 26th of March from 2.30 to 5pm there's a girls ages 8 to 17 clinic at the Illawarra Basketball Stadium and that will be free and they've also free. got free, yeah absolutely. That's so it's just great, great. to see you know, young girls mm. seeing some of the heroes that they see on TV Oh it's so important. Yeah. It's, it's so important for the development of sport to for, for the professional girls or the you know, semi-professional girls in some cases to be out there because that inspires those younger girls to get to that they want to be that now that's what you want them to see you want them to see those girls think well this is achievable for me and they will continue to do the work to get there so yeah it's an outstanding thing that the flames are doing it's uh, great to have them in the illawarra and um yeah i'm looking forward to it my girls will be going along yeah absolutely no i mean it's a fantastic opportunity and there's another one down at Nowra basketball stadium so that's on the 27th of march from 10 a.m to 12 30 p.m that's also ages 8 to 17 so make sure you hit their social media channels the Sydney Uni Flames and sign your girls up for that Matt Campbell we're going to head to one of my favorite segments probably my favorite segment of the show it's the impact garage doors biggest impact moment a great give and go We saw that on Thursday night. It was the South East Melbourne Phoenix up against the Illawarra Hawks. We just touched on it just before the break there, before that maybe, just maybe, this was the the statement game from the Hawks. Yeah, look, I think the Hawks were fantastic for 35 of the 40 minutes. I think they were, really dominated the Phoenix team, which is a, you know, a good quality top 14 prior to that. So, you know, I think they needed to win the game the fact that they went out and they got up to uh, at one stage the lead was 20 points and you know they had the players that needed to step up really step up in that first part of the game and I I just thought it was a really well-rounded game up until the little bit of a you know they had a little bit of a stumble which will hurt their confidence a little bit should have been a 20-point win but yeah I was really excited to see you know the Hawks come out with some intensity defensively shared the ball well um, you know, and and showed that they're they're a they're a force, and if they can keep that going, they're, they're a dead set chance. I thought with the Hawks too, Juop Reith was he really made his presence felt. I think the Hawks had sort of floated in and out of games. Mm. They've gone to deficits before, and they've pulled it out of the fire a couple of times. But just to have that presence and that real strength, I think Reith's a real key you know key part of what they need to do if they're going to make playoffs. Oh, for sure, and and you know what, and one one of 
and I guess it sort of showed that the Hawks don't have a true point guard. And um, look, they've got some smart players. And one of my criticisms from the game was the fact that Duop Reef was on fire. You know, I think he'd missed, I hadn't missed a shot there for at one point. Um, and I think the boys need to do a better job of understanding when someone's got it going. We call it, you know, when they're on fire in basketball terms. I think he was killing them. Absolutely killing South Melbourne. And um, I think we'd need to be better. If the Hawks are going to win the championship, they need to be better at understanding when someone's, you know, really hot. I guess it was like that a few weeks ago and we, we sort of starved those players of the ball. And I think that's when, you know, from an understanding point of view, like you've got like the Tyler Harveys who are a great player, great shooter of the ball, plays the point position from the Hawks' point of view. Um, he's smart enough to understand when someone else has got it going. I think he needs to recognise and get the people the ball a bit more, not just... Tyler, this is the whole group. You know, you've got to when Duop is in that zone, he's unstoppable from a league point of view. So I think they need to get him the ball more and milk that as much as possible. So that probably one criticism I've seen of the Hawk, uh, Hawks in the past, you know, six or seven weeks is that when they've got someone got when they get it going, you need to milk that a little bit more and then you know sacrifice your own shot to be able to make sure that that person's got the hot hand um, keeps going and you know that that's what really got him low over the line Thursday was Duop coming out not only running the break he got a couple of dunks he hit a three um, he it got him into the game defensively too he was rebounding well he blocked a shot setting good screens I think that's um, yeah he's definitely the key to the Hawks at this stage. I'm going to put you in the coach's shoes, Brian Gorgian. Obviously, the Hawks have had their difficulties against Tasmania the last couple of times they've played against them. It's a difficult one there down there today against Tasmania as well, given that they're now on a run of away games. Mm. Where do they go? How do they change it? to turn these couple of results around that they've had against the Jack Jumpers? Yeah, look, I think they've started well against the Jack Jumpers the last couple of times. I think they've got a lead of 10 points, and I think they just slowly let them back into it. I think the Jack Jumpers' um, style of game is the grind it out. They're a hard-working, sort of a more blue-collar type of team, and I think when you get them um, an opportunity, you really need to put them away. So from my point of view, I think um, not trying to enact their small ball. So like every time that I've seen it so far is that it's um, Hawks get out, jump out to a good lead. Um, jack jumpers go and make some changes, uh, bring in some smaller players and then sort of change the momentum of the game. And then we sort of counteract that by, by going small as well. I think trying to have a little couple of little things when they make that change to go small ball, try and abuse the, the smaller guys by going into the post, using your do-up briefs or your Sam Frolings in there in a one-on-one matchup against a smaller person, really take that advantage uh, and make it our advantage put some more points on the board, make the jack jumpers make a change that way. So I think that's really the key from my point of view is that strategy early in the game because I believe the Hawks will come out and get a good start. Um, I think the jack jumpers will make that change and I think how that plays out in the first quarter sets the tone for the rest of the game from the Hawks' point of view. It is a big game because, I mean, they've got to keep chasing these top four spots and obviously they've got the away games coming up, but there's a couple of other big games coming up this weekend, including tonight, South East Melbourne against the Kings. Mm. They're both on the edge of that that four. You've got tomorrow, Melbourne United. They're taking on Adelaide at 1pm. And the other game that probably factors into all of this is Perth. They play tomorrow against New Zealand. I guess your view of the competition, Matt, just given that... We are now sort of in a two-level competition. You've obviously got your top five. I know Tasmania are still there. They're still chasing, so Mm -hmm. you can say we've got a top six. And then you've sort of got your bottom few teams. 
I guess the real key one there is uh, the Phoenix and the Kings, though. Oh, definitely. They're going to be an outstanding game. Both teams are uh, play fluent. Um, open style of basketball so it's going to be ex- extremely good to watch um, really it's a key game from Melbourne point of view, like losing to the Hawks on Thursday, I think if they lose this game again, um, really puts them in a, p- a pickle from the top four point of view so it's a real interesting sort of game and from the Kings, they need to consolidate where they are as well so huge game for both teams Yeah. So the Illawarra Hawks, they're in Tasmania taking on the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers at the Silver Dome there in Launceston, that's at 5 5.30 this afternoon. We're going to head to the news and we'll be back with Fox Sports commentator Matt Russell. Everyday low prices with four great locations. Tarmor, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Welcome back to Saturdays in the Gong. I'm Tim Barrow, the Illawarra Mercury Sports Editor. I'm here with Matt Campbell. It's at a wet Wollongong golf club. Matt, we've had uh, Kimberley Grange races off today. Mm. Rose Hill at 6am was a heavy eight, but I think that'll be a bit heavier by the time they actually get to racing this afternoon. Yeah, it's been sporadic here and there, so I think that rain's probably going to keep it a little bit like that. It might stay at that heavy eight because of the, the it's a good surface out there. It drains pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. We've also had Illawarra and South Coast cricket off. Uh, Illawarra cricket's only had four full rounds in the entire year, the entire season. Grand final's only about three weeks away. <laughs> I was actually talking to a cricket player not long ago, and it's it's been funny from their point of view. I think they had to scramble to play some games like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, just to try and get some games over the line. Soccer's been the same around the districts, around all of New South Wales. So, um, you know, Queensland would be the same. It's been a hell of a year from, from a sporting point of view. We've had COVID all the way through last year. Now through the summer, we've had nothing but rain. So, yeah, yeah it's, um, you've got a lot of kids that are just chaffing at the bit to get out there and do whatever they need to do to keep themselves entertained. Thankfully, we've still had the NRL on our TV screens. Mm-hmm. From Thursday night, the Storm 15 defeated the Rabbitohs 14 in Craig Bellamy's 500th game as coach. Last night, we saw the Roosters dominate Manly 26 to 12 and the Dragons they threw a fair bit at the Penrith Panthers despite having 12 men twice with Sua and Lomax both Sinbin they went down 2016 but it was no want uh, no lack of trying we'd like to welcome Matt Russell to the show now Matty you were at the uh, the Roosters and Seagulls game last night yeah, both of those teams talked about the need to get aggressive physically after their defeats the previous week, but really only one team did. It was complete domination by the Roosters for the first half hour, and as a result, they led 22-0. The game was gone, then it rained, which made that lead seem like 42-0, and even though Manly won the second half, not much consolation. They've got a long way to go to see Eagles. The only thing I'll say is, last season they were 0-4, and look how they finished. So... You know, they're 0-2, they've got plenty of time to, to still, you know, find their way and, and get some wins. But they are tempting fate by starting like this. They've got to work out a way to have a share of possession and bring their attack into the game. The likes of Ruben Garrick, Jason Sutt, and especially Tom Drabovic, who last night in commentary, Mick Ennis and Dan Ganane were saying, it, it looks like there's something wrong, it's, he's not right. Well, I asked Ed Hazel about that specifically after the game. He said, no, no, it's not just Tom, it's everyone. No one looks right because we're not dominating the middle, we're not getting enough ball, we're playing tight as a result, and we can't win games, that's going to be the case. 
Yeah, I, I think if you hit it on the head, I think what Des was saying is right. He just hasn't had an opportunity to get the ball in any kind of forward attacking position. So they've really, both teams have nullified. I think the Rooster did a fantastic job, obviously, in the first half. And then the Panthers did it unbelievably last week. They just limited the exposure. They were trying to get the ball out of their own end the whole time with no opportunity and no scoring opportunities for, you know, what is a very, very talented team. But, yeah, that whole, man, they, they've got some tough games coming up and I think the Seagulls are in some real trouble. Well, they go back to Brookvale or Four Pines Park, as it's called now, next weekend against Canterbury. They're going to open that northern grandstand, so it will be an occasion. They'll be fired up to sort of christen their renovated home ground with the right result. But last night, just to underline your stat, Matty, regarding the, the possession, the completions don't really tell the full story. Last night, Manly completed their first nine sets, right? But at that point, the opposition, the Roosters, had had 21 sets. So basically... Mm more than twice the amount of ball and, and you just can't play or hope to keep pace with the good team when you give them such a possession advantage so it was a good night without being a great night for Roosters Sam Walker, Luke Keary looked better their forward stood up they'll improve further, it was just nice then to tick the box, the big concern out of it was Manly and when it comes to the Dragons being off, in some ways that was a win for them last night, to be that close the reigning premiers who were so good in round one, despite I think incorrectly being reduced to 12 men twice, you know, they can take plenty out of that game and even though they were beaten, to finish that close to Penrith with the setbacks they had, not a bad result. And this was a, a big moment from the game where Moses Embai uh, put it on the toe and they scored out wide. Here is Hunt, Molo through the middle, dumps it out the back, Hunt, it comes back to Moses Embai, he puts a kick in, it sits up! It certainly was game on late there. They threw a, a lot at them. It was really interesting. We talked about that hit there where Jaden Sewell was um, sin-binned. It was fractionally late. I didn't think it was all that high. Um, it's, it's a difficult one because obviously they're trying to protect the, uh, the ball carriers and the kickers. What was your impression there with that one, Matt? Well, it's, it's rugby league. It's a tough physical game. You're going to get whacked, especially if you're a half-back going deep to the line. And I don't think there was too much wrong with it. You know, Benji Marshall... Uh, with more than 300 games under his belt, he's an astute judge. He looked at it and said, I don't see anything wrong with that. If you think it's a sixth of a second too late, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a blink of an eye stuff. Trump might think he was sin-binning right for that. Now, if they look at it, they say that, OK, it was more shoulder charge than the legitimate tackle. I'd need to see it again. If they look at it and say, oh, look, he did actually make contact with the chin, then OK. From what I've seen, it was just a rugby league tackle um, so close to being well-timed that I wouldn't split the difference and I thought the Dragons were hard done right. Do we know much more about the Dragons, do you think? I mean, the Charity Shield win was good. They then uh, defeated the Warriors. They had a few defensive lapses there, but the Warriors played themselves back into the game and then the, the Dragons sort of switched on and took it away from them. This was sort of the big test. I know it's only round two, but do, do we are we more impressed by the Dragons to really rate them as a, a top eight, top four team? I don't think we can rate them as a top four team, but I think we can certainly rate them as a top eight team. Now, Ray Alexander said before the season started that he had the Dragons in his top eight. And they're two positions so far in the premiership on the back of their encouraging trial performances would only underline that belief. I think they've fought really well in terms of 
not having to pay huge dollars to get some really, um, what's the word for it, forwards who can add to the system. And I think mm. the young the, yeah, players we, we have so much hope for will only get better and better. Um, if they're within view of the top eight with four or six rounds to go, I'd be thinking that they've got the experience and the, the youth to give that a real show. Well, I think they can be a top eight team, definitely. That's only been enhanced after the first couple of games. Yeah, look, I, 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 yeah. I was I was sort of kind of disappointed, to be honest. I was really disappointed as a fan um, to to see we weren't able to get a real feel for i.e. the Dragons or the Panthers on how they played because if you're a Panthers player, you're playing against 12 men. You're like, oh, and you've got you know you, you slap 10 points on when you've got it in that situation, and then you have it again late in the game. Do they switch off in that in that um, stage of the game? But then if you're the Dragon supporters, you're sitting there going, well, well. We don't know exactly what could have been uh, on the back of that. We, we, we were limited by a referee's call that, you know, ultimately decided the the, the game. It, 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 I think, you know, I, I felt robbed of a good opportunity to watch a good game. And that will be the sentiment of plenty of Dragons fans, rugby league fans. Isn't it good that Dragons fans can can watch a close finish like that? And, and feel cheated despite the encouraging performance. That goes to show to me that people expect the Dragons to be a chance of beating them, to be a chance of winning the big games. And that hasn't always been the case over the last few years. So the fact that you can be disappointed that the Dragons finished so close, given the circumstance, we didn't get to see a real contest, well, that, that, that's probably a good thing that we believe in the Dragons like that. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see their next one. We've lost Andrew McCulloch, of course. That's the big out there. Mm. Yeah, a key but plenty of experience, that elbow injury. I'm waiting to see what sort of diagnosis he gets. But there are options when it comes to the, the number nine role, aren't there? There's, um, you know, Moses Envoy offers great utility. And, Timmy, you probably come up with a few other contenders to, to run on as starting number nine next week as well. Yeah, I was actually quite impressed with Moses Mbai there. I think he can really make uh, that running impact. I think McCulloch's obviously a good serviceable player. He, he's a veteran. He's, he's very experienced. But I think uh, Mbai is, is he's versatile, but if they can find him a home or at least be that bench utility, I think he can really um, have an impact for the, the Dragons this year, as we saw in that, that clip before. Matt, we're gonna, uh, we'll head to a quick break, um, and we'll come back with a bit more footy talk shortly. Charlie's Liquor Bar. Everyday low prices with four great locations. Tarmor, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. We're back here on Saturdays in the Gong. It's Tim Barrow, the Allura Mercury Sports Editor. I'm here with Hawks great Matt Campbell and Fox Sports broadcaster Matt Russell. We're here thanks to Charlie's Liquor Barn, everyday low prices with four great locations, Tarmore, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. I might be stopping off at Warilla on the way home because there's three cracking games of uh, NRL this afternoon. The Titans and the Warriors, they both need to kickstart their seasons. That's at 3 o'clock. At 5.30, the Sharks and the Eels. This will be a good tester of both teams and where they're at, they're at this season. And the Cowboys and the Raiders at 7.35pm. Matt Russell, I guess the Sharks and the Eels in particular, uh, it's a good opportunity to um, feel each other out. Absolutely. And before I get to that, Timmy, I'll just give you some news from the judiciary overnight. So we were talking about Jaden Tua in the Dragons game being sin being well. He's not been charged. So the Match Review Committee has looked at that tackle uh, on O'Sullivan and said no dramas, no problem, which probably underlines the fact that 
the sin bidding was downright wrong. Also, Victor Radley in the Roosters game last night, uh, a couple of times penalised. He went on report, no charge against Victor either. So Roosters fans will breathe a sigh of relief. The only man charged last night was George Burgess for high contact, but it will be a fine only. So George is free to play on with the Dragons next week. So today, you're right, I think the pick of the game is the Sharks Para. Para was an incredible game last week against Gold Coast. They scored 10 tries, those teams, in the first 44 minutes, and then none for the last 36. So I left a bit bewildered as that how impressive Parramatta actually were, given that they were aided by a 7-1 penalty count and a string of successful captains' challenges. I suppose we'll learn more about Para today. If anything, I did think their attack was a little out of sync last week. You're going to forgive that in, in round one, I suppose. And Cronulla, uh, beaten by Canberra despite a heroic comeback in round one. But here's a big story here. They get Cam McInnes back. Connor Tracy's in the centres as well. But Cam McInnes will make his club debut. We all remember him as the Dragon who scooped the pool at presentation night. He was their, their best in 2020, the Dragons, before leaving for the Sharks. And, um, well, last year he didn't play at all for the Dragons because of that knee injury pre-season. So he's been out for more than a year. And after wearing the red V so well, he finally gets to don the uh, Sharks jersey this afternoon. Where do you stand there with Cameron McGuinness? I know he commands a fairly big pay packet, but I, I'm still staggered that uh, the way it unfolded with the Dragons and that it seemed like in the end that he was allowed to go so easily. Yeah, look, I understand that clubs have to preserve the salary cap. It is God. But when you got to play on, I think I did their 2020 presentation night, actually. I just kept reading out, and the winner is Cam McGuinness, and the winner is Cam McGuinness. And that was... 2020. Of course, he was contracted for 2021, but never got to play because of that knee injury. And it does it does seem strange when you're losing a bloke who Paul McGregor loved him, absolutely loved him. Have a look at the awards he won. To let your best player go, um, oh, I hope it didn't boil down to you know only a few tens of thousands of dollars. I hope it was poles apart because I did find it hard that you let a bloke like that go. I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're in a building phase too, like it's um, you know that's the kind of play you want around your group and moving forward. So there, there's a lot more to it, I think, than just meets the eye. I think there might have been some other stuff that we don't know about as uh, as just general public. So yeah, it's a um, interesting one. I wish him all the best. Like you said, he was outstanding that year for the Dragons. So hopefully he's over those injuries and he can get on uh, with playing good football. And the Sharks, that's a, it's an important piece for them too. So uh, uh, yeah, it's interesting. To see and it's now very early in the season obviously but some of these teams need to get on the scoreboard and need to start playing some good footy. And when you go back to Cam McInnes, Matty, and think, oh, how did the Dragons lose him? Well, how do you think South Sydney are feeling with Adam Reynolds about to make his debut for the Broncos tomorrow against Canterbury? Like, you could mount an argument that if Adam Reynolds was in their team, they, they win both of their opening games. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they missed him uh, drastically in Melbourne, I thought, and um, uh, you know, Lachlan Ilias, he will be a fine player. He's a young bloke. He's coming mm. through. He can't possibly be Adam Reynolds at this stage in his career. But, of course, those parallels are going to be drawn because of the bloke he's replacing. And I, I get a few South Sydney fans in the cafe, and not one of them, <laughs> not one of them says they can understand letting Adam Reynolds go. They all look at me, shake their head, and walk out of the, the cafe, uh, you know, disgusted that they're all-time leading point scorer isn't there. I know you can't keep all of them. I know you've got to have budgets it's like a household can't go and buy the sort of car that perhaps everyone wants or have the holiday that everyone wants. You've got to meet your budget but still, 
my goodness, it's a bit of pill to swallow. Cam McInnes, Adam Reynolds, you go on and on and on with players who've left clubs who fans didn't like seeing leave clubs. Yeah, but like, like I think when you look at someone like the Storm that have got an ability to be able to, you know, bring someone through and go right. Oh well, this is the time this person needs to move on or whatever. However, they do it from their point of view, and you w- would have thought with the with you know the rabbits, they they would have been confident that they were able to cover him with um you know with, with that piece. But clearly, uh, you know, that's still a working progress, and hopefully, you know, hopefully it doesn't bite them too hard. But you know, the start of the season hasn't been great. Yeah, they had some doubts, if you believe, the scuttlebutt about Adam Reynolds' body being able to withstand the rigours of rugby league now, you know, for another two or three years. Well, it's up to Adam to go up there and play 20-plus games for the Broncos over the term of his contract. Uh, and if he does that uh, and, and lifts them up the ladder, it'll be money very well spent. But, uh, boys, can I just jump back to what Matty said earlier on regarding basketball? A great show, by the way. I love listening to Tasha Gale. And, Matty, when you were saying about going to Duop Reese and keeping going to Duop Reese, I'm shouting yes, yes, yes in the car because so often in commentary with the NBL or listening to my expert beside me talking to you, Matty, you see a player get hot, uh, you know, score 10 points in a hurry, drop Mm -hmm. five threes, whatever, and then the club drags them off and you're thinking, Mm -hmm. hang on, is he injured? No, no, they're just following their rotation policy or they're sticking with their preset uh, minute guideline or the... uh, high-performance unit's got in the ear of the training staff that always played his minutes allocation out there. That, that, what other tries? You're there in professional sport to win games. Absolutely. I just don't get it. If a player is hot, leave him on the goddamn court until he runs cold, then take him off. Now, Matty, before, quickly before we go to a break, I'm gonna, just going to go to a different tack here. Shelby 66, he was your punters club tip. <laughs> and ever, ever since that moment, it's turned into a super horse. Yeah. It, it <laughs> almost ran down yeah. Eduardo. And the sad part is, Tim, that having had a bit of luck with Shelby 66, g'day Kenny Callender if you're listening, uh, Shelby 66 delivered for my punters club. I thought, well, I'm not, I, I, I've, I've created the number one punters crime. I haven't gone back to the well. I thought, well, I've, I've had my success there. Move on, Matty. And every time I watch it win, I'm thinking, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. So, Mate, you Shelby could be a coach of a... <laughs> Six six dollars fifty today in the Galaxy at five twenty PM. Matty Russell, it's always great to talk rugby league and get your insight. NRLW coverage again this weekend. Thanks again for joining. Yeah, no worries, boys. Enjoy the show, and I'll talk to you soon. We'll Thanks, be, We'll be back to wrap up the show shortly. Charlie's Liquor Bar. Everyday low prices with four great locations. Tarmore, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Charlie's Liquor Bar. Everyday low prices with four great locations. Tarmore, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. This is Saturday's In The Gong. We're just about to wrap up the two-hour show today. Matt Campbell, it's been a great show. Thanks to all of our guests who's come on. Can the Hawks turn the tables against the Jack Jumpers? Yes, I believe they can. Today's the day the Hawks get over the top of the Jack Jumpers. Must win game, and this will set them up uh, into the finals. That's 5.30 this afternoon. The Tasmania Jack Jumpers up against the Illawarra Hawks. Thanks to all our guests this morning. Keely Froling, Scott Chipperfield, John Armstrong, Tasha Gale, and, of course... Matty Russell, with huge thanks to our major sponsor, Charlie's Liquor Barn, everyday low prices, four great locations at Tarmore, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. 
We've been coming to you live from the, well, quite rain-sodden Wollongong Golf Course. There's not a lot of uh, golf on today, but there's a lot of footy and the big basketball game this afternoon. Enjoy your afternoon. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.